What's up, y'all? And welcome back to the Wrestle Through Podcast. It's me, Austin Prince. And today we're going to get into a topic that I've kind of been wrestling with myself, obviously, hence the podcast name. But I think a lot of people wrestle with on a daily basis. And it's from the perspective of a pastor or leadership. So how do you call out false teaching? How do you call out false teachers the right way without being a turd or a jerk? So let's get it. Have you ever found yourself listening to worship songs and having questions about the lyrics being used or even seeing something from a stage or a pulpit that makes you scratch your head and question the motives? Or what about just reading scripture and trying to work it into your life practically? Well, to be honest, you're not alone. So many Christians are questioning things that they see in the church that don't necessarily line up with scripture and even having trouble applying biblical principles to their life. And this presents a huge problem. How can we wrestle through these things and grow our faith? And how can we know what scripture really says? Well, join me, Austin Prince, each week as we discuss these things and find biblical principles that we can wrestle through. So like I mentioned in the intro, we're going to talk about, is there a right way to call out false teaching? Is there a right way to handle that within your congregation? And this has been an ongoing conversation for me and actually my mentor just just kind of wrestling through how, how can we do it the right way? Because it, it seems like Scripture gives us a, a real clear example of how we should come to a brother if they're in sin. You know, we, we see that in Matthew. If, if they don't listen to you, you take one more and then you take another. Um, and, and you know, that's the basis for church discipline. And, and Paul even mentions church discipline in his epistles. But he also says something very clear. I believe it's in 1 Corinthians. He talks about like, expelling false teaching, literally do whatever it takes to get it out of your midst. And and that scripture has just been bouncing around in my head because we are in a culture, we are in a society that literally loves false teaching. Like we love it. Everybody's all about it. We want to feel good. We want to feel motivated. So we listen to people who who distort scripture or distort the gospel. And, you know, they make it just good enough to like slip by your radar. And that brings us to a a dangerous part is when we begin to distort scripture and we begin to distort the message of the gospel, what we run into is we, we begin to build ideas of who God is based off of our own understanding. And for me personally, especially just being new to ministry, being new into leading uh, a body, even with a mentor, you you find yourself questioning like things that you see on Facebook or other items that members are are posting and following along, and and that really breeds this internal tension. Really, just wrestling with all right, how can I address certain issues? How can I address certain teachings in a relational way, in a practical way, and and actually make it for good instead of like just standing up on a stage and just ripping it 
because because what you see is people who who rip it from the stage they're either widely accepted or and not even widely they're either accepted or they're called jerks like that's ultimately what it is and what sucks is that even if it's good intentions even if it's meant to build up your body if you just rip people from the stage or rip teaching from the stage what you ultimately do is you you kind of come off like a jerk because we see how Jesus approaches conflict, how Jesus tells us to approach conflict, we have to have that relational aspect of it. A good example is like Todd White. So pastors, biblical pastors, people who teach the Bible for real, will rip Todd White all the time because what he what he preaches tends to not be the real gospel. It tends to be distorted. It tends to be icky. It tends to be like this self help mentality. And what happens is when we when we as pastors rip it from the stage, there's going to be people who are going to be like, man, they're just jerks. Like they're just jerks. Why would they even say that? Why would they even do that from the stage? So it's wrestling like if I have somebody in my congregation who like loves Todd White and everything that he says is amazing and they quote him or even let's say I have people in my congregation who love Richard Rohr. Uh, you know, a universalist, someone who doesn't even believe in the fundamentals of Christianity at all, but they love it. They listen to him. They read his books. They say, oh, he's such a great, great author. He talks about Jesus. How can I address those serious, critical issues, critical doctrinal issues, and still maintain integrity? Because ultimately, what what happens is people think when you when you just hammer it from the stage or hammer it from the pulpit like what false teaching is people think you're arrogant or if you don't people think that you agree with it so it's this weird nebulous of well pick a side ultimately is what it comes down to pick a side and for me I'm I'm trying to wrestle with what's the appropriate response so if I have people who, who love Todd White or love Richard Rohr or they love Bill Johnson, they love Jesus culture, but basically those those pockets of false teaching distort the gospel. How, how can I practically relate to them in a way where we can address those situations? And, and we can quickly look at like Matthew 18, 15, where Matthew 18 in general, but specifically like you can look at 14 through 16 where it's talking about if a brother sins against you, you know, if your brother sins against you, you go and you confront them in privately. If he listens, listens to you, you have won your brother over. If he doesn't listen to you, take one more or two others alongside. And it's it's that process of walking people through hey, this is what sin, you know, this doctrine is sin. This thing that you're believing is actually sin. Like believing that Christ wasn't a deity on earth, that he wasn't fully God and fully man on earth is, is kind of like, it's deep heresy. It's it's a deep distortion of scripture. And there are several, several, several prominent teachers that teach this. We may not see it in every sermon, but they believe it. They That's what they teach in their congregation. So we, we see that process of, of a relational interaction but what happens what happens if i don't have that relational interaction what happens 
if I don't know the teacher personally, you know, like, like an Instagram or a Twitter message is going to do anything to these people's accounts. But, but really like, what if I don't know that person, but I, but I know that there are people uh, drifting and being uh, torn away from the true gospel, following a false gospel. How, how do I reconcile that? And how do I process that? Because what we see is we even see Paul write in First Timothy, like the first six chapters of First Timothy, like the opening is like, hey man, grace to you, peace to you, and then bam, warning against false teachers. Um, so we, we see in Scripture that this is super prominent, that Paul gives distinct warning against false teachers and even tells Timothy, like, be on the lookout. Don't, don't be fooled. Like, look at these certain people, look at what they're serving, look at what they're going towards, look at their vain discussion, look at their teaching, uh, you know, like really look at the fruit of what they're saying and, and dig deep. Like, is it, is it false teaching? Is it just bad teaching or is it false teaching? Because I think there are people who may not have the gift of teaching, but are up there and they just teach. They just think that they can do it and it's kind of bad. doesn't mean that it's false, but it's just bad. So what happens, what happens when it's distinctly false teaching? And we, we see Paul like telling that gospel of God's glory has been entrusted to us. We should be after God's glory, just as God is after his glory. So we should stand firm against specific false teaching and I think the rub for me is as I'm wrestling through this, as I'm really trying to think of how I could ultimately process this, it's, man, doctrinal issues are hard to debate is ultimately what it comes down to. Doctrinal issues are hard to debate with people that you don't have relationships with or even even in authority, even in church authority. You know, you could be a pastor and you could have words, a, a strongly worded conversation, not like a negative way, but have a conversation about teaching with one of your members and it could go horrible so quick. So for me, as I'm wrestling through, as I'm trying to think of how can I address specific false teaching, how can I address mysticism? How can I address, you know, just belligerent use of, of the gifts in the wrong way? Like how could I practically approach that? And every time I think about it, every time I come down to think, all right, so what would this process look like? How would I address it? For me, it's it feels, and as I'm working through scripture, it feels like there has to be some type of relational equity for me able to speak into those situations. Now, sometimes if if the issue is large enough, I think it could it could justify discussion from a pulpit. I mean, let's say everybody in your church started doing some weird emotional mysticism stuff and you knew it. I think that's easy to address from stage or let's say everybody in your congregation just decided to be all in for Kenneth Copeland. Like I think that those are scenarios where you can really like stand firm and say, hey, just as Paul told Timothy, like we're defenders of the gospel. Like we we stand firm and we're entrusted with it. So we teach the gospel. We don't teach anything false. So I think those type of scenarios, you could totally rip it from the stage and just, just be real. However, those one-off situations where it's just one person or maybe it's two or three people, I find that 
it's the relational equity that really matters that's going to make or break so even even for me personally in my short experience it, it is those moments where you get to share life with somebody and you get to be intentional uh, is what paves the way for you to kind of pour into them and and just hey this is like wrong like what you're what you're wandering off into what you're following is wrong and i think those are always going to be hard conversations but with relational equity in that person they go a lot smoother you don't come off like a like a know-it-all or a jerk and and that's the big battle is in these conversations you don't want to come off like a know-it-all you don't want to come off like a jerk so so how can you practically do that so for me unfortunately i guess it's my personality and m- most of the time it comes off as if i'm a know-it-all however that's not my heart like my heart is always for people to know the truth like if you've listened to episode 1 of this particular podcast you you know my my backstory i'm all in for the truth like that's that's all that matters is the truth the truth of the gospel the truth of who jesus is and the truth of of sound doctrine like that comes from scriptures not not that comes from somebody's distortion of it however even with my personality even with my heart it's still taken as if i'm a know-it-all or i'm just trying to win people over and that's that's something that i'm having to battle like what is it in my demeanor what is it in my conversation that automatically makes it seem as if i'm a know-it-all or makes it seem as if i'm trying to distort something or or win an argument like where does that practically lie and hence hence the wrestling through and and i haven't landed on on a solid position on this because I, I feel like even with relational equity even if you know the right teachings even if you know scriptures when, when you try to convince people or when you try to share true doctrine or correct people the reality is that they may not change they may not see it they may want to like literally like leave your church they may want to leave your church or, or not be friends with you but it's resting in and knowing for me is what I'm kind of preaching to myself. It's it's resting and knowing that even if they reject me, I'm not the one. I'm not the one who bear, bears that. Like ultimately, if I'm sharing the gospel, they reject the gospel, and and that's not something that I can give them in a pretty package and make them believe. Like I can't. No matter how many times I walk them through the road, no many no matter how many times you know i get them to just say a quick prayer like ultimately i can't make them see the gospel that's all the holy spirit's behalf that's all christ jesus so it's resting in even in those moments when you're sharing true doctrine when you're sharing the truth and it's rejected resting in the fact that it's okay it's okay if somebody doesn't agree with you and they don't want to be a part of your church or they don't want to be a part of you know your friend group because they they don't want to believe the true gospel that doesn't mean that you should just bail on them and (laughs) excommunicate them i don't even know if a church still does that besides the catholic church does that still count that's a different topic but the truth is like that's just a sign for you to press into that relationship and love them even more.
Um, I was having a conversation with some students this weekend while we were hanging out at the island at Islands of Adventure in Orlando. And one of them asked me if I believe that Jesus reveals himself to people, how can I evangelize them if they believe wrong things? So essentially, like I'm trying to evangelize or, or share Jesus with a guy who's Catholic, who has a Catholic background, and I'm trying to share with him the truth of the gospel. When he when, when he already believes some false things, how do I how do I wrestle with that? How do I practically do that? And I think that's a really good example. Is evangelism being able to share the gospel and even living out the gospel for people to see is is going to be what God uses to reveal himself. Not that it's on us for God to reveal himself by any means, but God will use the work of imperfect creatures for a perfect design. And that's that's really the coolest thing of the gospel. That's the coolest thing about God is that even my imperfect actions, even my scummy righteousness that I have, even my good works that are just trash, he still chooses to use and use to expand his kingdom and used to bring glory to him. Like that's the beauty. That's how you wrestle with evangelism. It's you're never, ever going to be able to do it good enough. You're never, ever going to be able to say the greatest words in the world to make somebody see Jesus, but it's just the action of obedience. It's just being obedient and saying, God, dude, I'm going to butcher this. I, I cannot save anyone on my own but I know that you use broken vessels and you make them new and you use their bad works, you use their crappy righteousness and you use it for your glory. And that's whether it's evangelism or or dealing with somebody who has a sense of false truth or, or following a false doctrine, that's the same principle as it's just having conversation, just open conversation, open and candid conversation and just having that relational equity to just be like, Hey man, I, I see this. I see what you're doing. I see what you're talking about. I, I don't think it's right. And I want to show you in scripture why it's right or why it's not right. I want to show you what the Bible actually says. I don't I don't want you to lean on uh, some guy who has a whole bunch of letters at the end of his name who's written a whole bunch of books. I want you to really dig into scripture and see what it actually says. And when you do that, when you actually look at the Bible, when you look at the Bible for what it is, rather than someone's interpretation, you quickly see that there are so many flaws in specific doctrine, whether it's the the spoken word movement or the, not the spoken word, but it's the word of faith movement or the prosperity movement or even this new apostolic craziness. Uh, you quickly see that that specific teachings and specific ideas that are just doted on as if they're the best thing since sliced bread just fall flat compared to actually what scripture says. And, you know, I haven't found the sweet spot yet. I haven't found the sweet spot on this topic, but right now as I'm wrestling through it and as I'm trying to figure out, you know, how can I best approach these conversations? How can I best approach it in my congregation? It's it's just having relational equity putting in the time to build that relational equity so you can then share the real gospel, the true gospel with people. And you can be used 
in the sanctification process for someone. Not that you would sanctify them or it's anything that you say or do, but God can use you in that person's sanctification process. Because a lot of the times there are Christians who are listening to false teaching and they don't even know that it's false teaching. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, oh, this sounds good. I I think it sounds like scripture. It kind of sounds like scripture. So let's just run with it. It's that, that's that little tweak that I was talking about in, in the beginning. It just sounds good enough to where it passes underneath the radar. But what it does is it just destroys the foundation of what the gospel is. And, and you know, people are going to listen to this and just be like, man, they're all, he's all about theology. He's not about relationship, blah, 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 blah. And I was, I was talking to a couple of friends last weekend, a group of guys that I, I read a book with just kind of like take them through basics of theology, take them through that theology is just about knowing God in a deeper way. And I just laid it out for them. Like, you know, you can have deep theology and you can also have a relationship. It's not, it's not a, a dualistic mindset. It's not a religion or a relationship. Christianity at its core, it's both. They're not separate. They're not two distinct things. You can have religious orthodoxies, deep doctrine, sound teaching, and you can also have a thriving, intimate, beautiful relationship with Christ. What we've ran into is a wave of teaching that says you can't have both. It has to be one or the other. And that quickly is just ripped to shreds by scripture because even James talks about perfect religion, perfect religion, he uses the word perfect, is taking care of widows and orphans. So we see that there is a way to have both. And it's freeing. It's freeing when you can rest and say, sound doctrine is important. Sound doctrine is key. It's vital. But so is that relationship. So is that intimate time with God. So is that that moment where you get to rest in God. You get to put your soul in his hands and take care of your soul. Like those, those moments are so key. And the idea of having both is, has just revolutionized my walk because it's, it's quick. It's easy. It's really easy to get lost in the, it's a relationship. It's not a religion. And when you fall into that, what slowly happens over time is you, you steer away from orthodox. And when I say orthodox, I mean, just religious practices that have just been around and just stood the test of time, like gathering together, praying, the Lord's Supper. These things are a part of orthodoxy. And when we when we take a step away and we try to create, it's only a relationship. It's only a relationship. What happens is we leave all these important things, these, these orthodoxies, theology, you know, deep-rooted pillars of our faith, we leave them for this emotionalist mentality. And, and that's the cool thing is when you when you realize that you can have both, it's both and, it's both a religion and both a deep relationship. You see that they make a beautiful picture. It's living in that tension is what makes that that relationship flourish. And you can begin to lean on others. You can begin to lean on teaching that helps. You can begin to seek out teachers who who want to share the true gospel. And, and, and just wrestling with 
with that. And, and, and that's something that's not going to come overnight. That's not something that's going to be super easy for a lot of people, but it's something very freeing to wrestle through. I know that sounds like a contradiction, but when you step into that reality that it's both, it's not a debate. It's not one is better than the other. It's both. Both are vital. You, you just get into this sweet spot with God where it's just, it's just awesome realizing that you can't put him in a box because that's the thing is when you say it's a relationship rather than a religion you've just put god in a box but when you say it's both you've just gotten rid of the box altogether and you just opened up a new door of what god can actually do of, of what god's church should actually do and it's so freeing it is so so those are those are kind of the things that i'm wrestling through right now you know, building that relationship, building that relational equity with people to be able to share like, hey, this is the true gospel. Hey, this is not good teaching. Hey, you should be careful. And then even wrestling with the idea of what what if something happens and a, a huge wave of just crap hit hit a congregation? How would you how would you walk through that? And I bet there have been pastors who have walked through that through the ages, whether it's in America or whether it's, you can even take the Reformation, for example, that was a huge wave of false teaching and and Martin Luther just ripped it, nailed it, I should say. He didn't rip it, he nailed it. And just thinking through how, how, would, I, how would I wrestle and process with those ideas? Uh, so that's kind of where, that's kind of where I'm at right now with that topic. It, it will it will obviously grow the more that I wrestled through it, but I just thought it was an interesting thing to just work through. And I bet, you know, if you've had experience with this, if you're a pastor in church leadership and you had experience with this, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear how your congregation walked through it, because I think that we can all just learn great things from one another. That's the purpose of the body is, is to build one another up. Hit me up, DM me, whatever it is. I don't know. I'm not going to put my phone number on a podcast. That's crazy. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, what I'm wrestling through right now. So I hope it was enjoyable. I hope you guys liked it. Be on the lookout. I'm not really going to try to start social media for this particular podcast. We'll see what happens. But right now, anything that we're going to be posting for the Wrestle Through podcast, because Sydney, you know, she's involved with it as well. Anything that we're going to post for this is going to be on the Struggles We Grow From page. Uh, that's obviously our bread and butter. That's my bread and butter. I love talking to my wife and talking theology with her because she's a bomb. That's why I married her, you know, right? So any new episodes that we have, anything on the lookout, definitely take a look at the struggles we grow from social media. I'll even tag it in the description of this episode so you guys can go check it out. But for me, that's it. I hope you guys have a great week. We'll catch you next time we decide to wrestle through something. Peace.